Welcome to the Mind Over Matter podcast with Heather Hakes, where mindset is everything. Thank you for joining me for today's podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review. This podcast is designed to help open your awareness to the truth of who you are, a limitless being. You are worthy and deserving of an abundant and prosperous life. It's time to peel back the false beliefs and live the life you dream about. For additional resources or to contact me directly, please visit my website, heatherhakes.com. Without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to episode number 423. This podcast is for those who are seeking to start a business. Maybe you've already started one, but you're just feeling stuck. And ultimately, my guest is sharing with you how to find your genius and monetize it. Welcome to today's podcast. I've brought on Kelly Trek. Kelly, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Heather. It's such a pleasure to be here. Please give listeners a little background. Where do you live and what do you do? So I live in beautiful Vancouver, Canada, and I work as a business coach where I help people find their unique genius and monetize it, helping them build digital businesses, selling one-on-one services and online courses. So my traditional title is uh, I'm a four-time entrepreneur, I'm a business coach, and I'm also the published author of a book called P.S. You're a Genius, An Unconventional Guide to Finding Your Innate Gifts Even When You Feel Like You Have None. Yes. And that's what we're totally going to deep dive today, finding our genius. I would agree. We all have it, but I would love for you to lay a foundation and give us a little more background on these, your three initial ventures that led you to where you're at today. For sure. It's such a unique part of my story. Um, so I like to always rewind even back to high school. Cause I was like your typical, like overachieving high school kid. I got into one of the most competitive business schools here in Canada. I worked my tush off. I was like, you know, a full scholarship student. I graduated with honors, did all the extracurriculars. And at the end of business school, I couldn't get any job offers. I was really excited about, but I had two that were like kind of ho-hum. So I turned them down and I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. And one of my really good friends was moving to San Francisco for an internship for the summer. And I was like, something in me was just like, I'm going to come with you. And I decided to just go. And I was like, I'm young. Why not try building a tech startup? So I got into a prestigious um, pre-accelerator program in Silicon Valley, literally taught by a billionaire venture capitalist. And I worked on startup one and startup one didn't work out. And I tried again and I tried a startup two and startup two also didn't work out. And I tried one more third and final time with startup three and it also failed. And I had this week off and I flew from San Francisco back to Canada and um, my former partner at the time, his family had a cabin kind of in the middle of nowhere. Pardon the interruption. If this content is resonating with you, please be sure to leave a five-star review. I want to offer you some additional resources. Visit my website, heatherhakes.com and sign up for my free video training on how to reprogram your subconscious mind. Again, visit my website, heatherhakes.com. I've also created a self-study course all about mindset and manifesting. You can find this on my website, heatherhakes.com forward slash course. Finally, if you are ready to deep dive and really transform your life, I offer one-on-one coaching. I will help you create clarity and a roadmap so you can live the life you dream about. Best part? Everything I teach, you can start implementing right now. 
To learn more and schedule your free discovery call, visit heatherhakes.com forward slash coaching. Now back to regular programming. And the Wi-Fi was bad and it was this like beautiful log cabin. And I had a moment waking up one morning. I went downstairs, made a pot of coffee, sat in this like red lazy boy reclining chair and like kicked my feet back. And I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. Like all these syrups are not working. I have worked so hard my whole life. And I've always been like that. I would, I don't use this word anymore, but I used to like hustle and like achieve and strive and prove. And I was like, I'm working so hard in these startups. And how could my hard work not be paying off when I need it to the most? And this question from my intuition just dropped into my head in this reclining chair. And it just said to me, Kelly, what if you just did what you were good at? And I had never considered this ever before in my life, like just doing what you're good at or like doing what came easy to you. Like I always was trying to chase the hardest things and build the most difficult stuff and always throw myself at the hardest problems. This idea of leaning into what came naturally to me and easy to me was so radical and unknown because like I had a lifetime of proving the opposite. Um, But I was like, you know, my startups aren't working. So maybe there's a negative truth to this because I was like, my only options are try to call back one of those corporate companies that offered me a full-time job and knock on their door and be like, Hey, do you want me now? (laughs) Or maybe it was, you know, I could try another tech startup, but I was like, okay, you know what? Let me just try to see what I am good at. And let me try to build a business around that. I was like, I might as well give it a shot. I have nothing to lose. I'm already like at square one. So I'll just give it one more kick at the can. So at that point, I didn't really know how to answer the question what I was good at. So I thought about Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours concept of what it takes to master something. And I was like, what if I spent 10,000 hours on? And I was like, oh, well, it's managing my autoimmune condition and my celiac disease and like my IBS and eating like a, you know, a plant-based gluten-free diet. And I started a little health blog. That was the very first iteration of kellytrack.com. And a lot of it had to do with mindset and my approach, which turned into online courses and a podcast and eBooks and customers. And after a while of that being up and running, people started asking me, Hey, Kelly, you have a business. You've built this online thing. Can you teach me how to build a business too? And my first thought was, Oh my gosh, no, you do not want me. I failed three times. Like don't, don't ask me, literally ask somebody else. But I had one person that was just really persistent and they were like, I want to hire you. Like, please just let me hire you once you can be my business coach just once. I think you can help me. And I was like, okay, fine. We'll do it once. (laughs) Um, Long story short, I have been uh, a sought after business coach since then for the last several years, really helping people find their unique genius and turn it into a business. So one of the things I kind of got known for, and this all happened for me, just sort of bumping into things. I never like intentionally set out to do any of this, but a lot of people would come to me and ask me, Hey, Kelly, well, what can I sell? What can I offer? Like I have this sort of dream, but how do I turn this into a business? And I had a really unique way of sitting down with a client, asking them these sort of unconventional questions to pull out what they were truly gifted at and turn that into a business model, turn that into a service, turn that into um, an offering. And I kind of got known for this, this thing that I started calling finding your genius and monetizing it. And when I started seeing my private one-on-one clients get results like, you know, being able to quit full-time jobs, being able to out-earn corporate salaries by the end of their first year in business, being able to like launch digital businesses. And then literally within one month, you know, Google is knocking on their door, asking them to do like a paid workshop. All my clients were saying, this really came from the fact that like you helped me find my genius and build a business around it. 
Um, so when I knew I had kind of mastered it with private one-on-one -on -one clients, I took it to my signature online course, which is about building a digital business. And I kind of got the exact same feedback from students. And once I had that down, I realized I had like a process I had built. It was like able to be taught in a way that was, you know, self-study in an online course and not just a one-on-one -on -one call. Um, and I pitched for a book deal in 2020 and um, I ended up getting a book deal. So now I teach how to find your genius inside my book, PS Your Genius. But that is how I got here in a really roundabout way that I would have never had have guessed in the first place. So there's so many things I want to break down, but I love about that because number one, you know, you said you had three failed first attempts. And as mm -hmm. I shared with you before we started recording, I don't even believe in the word failure. And I yeah. recently came across an acronym, first attempt in learning. But now hindsight's always 2020, right? So you can see in hindsight, oh, I had to go through that lesson apparently three times to feel the struggle to end up in that cabin away from everything. So you were no longer distracted before you could finally tune in and listen to your guidance. Totally, totally. Yeah. And another way I've heard that described before is, you know, well, one, your intuition is always a whisper where your ego or fear is always really loud and life will, mm. you know, I, I just love the idea that your intuition first, it'll be a feather. And then if you're not paying attention, then it'll be a brick. And if you really not pay attention, then you're going to be hit by a Mack truck. Yeah. <laughs> and so but that's why I, I think we've actually kind of lived parallel lives because like you, I'm, I first started a brand years ago from my passion of board sports and it was 365 boarding, kind of like you. I tried many different variations of it. And I just wasn't making money but I wasn't clear on my product or service. And then I'm technically on, I guess, like my third business as well, but all of those were stepping stones to get to where I'm at. And so what I want you to share is, you know, I think we're conditioned that life is supposed to be hard. You have to struggle, you have to earn it, right? The whole hustle and grind to get ahead where you found out, oh, wait a minute, if I just do what I'm good at, what comes naturally, ease and flow, I can have a lucrative business doing that. Totally. Yeah. It's really opposite to kind of everything I kind of learned growing up, essentially by leaning into what came most naturally to me is where I created my best success. Um, and that's really as well where I see my, my clients doing it too. Of course, you know, you still have to do work and like take action, but the action has a sense of fluidity and ease and fun. And there's a magnetism and a pull and a desire to do it. It's like a want to versus have to, because I feel like when you're in your genius, you know, it's, you're getting great results for your client, you know, or you're, you're having a lot of fun. Um, it's easy for you. It comes naturally to you. You seem to do it far better than others without as much like struggle and effort, like you're in that flow, you're truly like in that zone um, where you're lit up and you're achieving results. And it's like, things are happening. It's almost like you got that magic energy vortex around you and time disappears. Like we all kind of know that feeling. So it's really about like, how can you just spend more time doing that thing? Um, right. And yeah, it's, it's, I, I believe really like it's about how can you tap in, how can you tap into that? And that is where you find that, that ease. And um, it doesn't have to be like, a hustle and grind. Of course, everybody has to take action and like do the work, but the actual the quality of the work has a much more of a dimension of flow. Yeah. I think as an example, 
for me, my experience has been, I left a nine to five because, well, I hated my job. I just Mm -hmm. hated the monotony and being Mm -hmm. an entrepreneur, a content creator, I don't work a nine to five. I work like Mm -hmm. a 24, seven, 365. It is always on my mind. I have notes on my phone. Um, Sure. I, I take time off, but there are days I work until 9 PM. Cause I am in the zone. I am in flow and I love what I do. Mm-hmm. And so there's a complete difference in busting your ass versus being in that flow. And it's just like working till nine felt it, it just happened. Totally. A hundred percent. Yeah. I would agree. I would echo the same thing for me. Like there's seasons where I'm doing a ton of work uh, or focusing like on a deadline, but it's like, I want to do it. And it's yeah. like, I'm internally pulled to do it because it's like work that's like in my genius and I'm like stoked to be there and stoked to do it. Okay. So here's what I want you to break down. Mm-hmm. Number one, let's kind of define what that even means, how to find your genius, because I, I read a book. Oh my gosh, that was years ago, but I can see the cover. It's a little fish. The and a big fish leap. Bowl. Thank you. Gay Hendricks. Is it Gay <laughs> yeah, Hendricks? Yeah. It is Gay Hendricks. Yeah. And so in that book, um, the author talks about your zone of genius. So I just want you to define what does it mean to find our genius? And then maybe can you walk us through even just things to think about that come naturally and easily that you could monetize? Totally. So the way I distinctly describe your genius as it's, it's the work that only you can do in the world. And I believe that when you take your top three to five most innate gifts and perform a task that involves all of them at once, you create a world-class expertise doing something only you can do. Now it's key that we focus on your three to five best gifts. And a lot of people are like, okay, how is your genius different than your strengths? And like, how, how are gifts different than strengths? So the way I would explain it is like this, when, when we're strong at something, we can have many strengths, but strong kind of still implies that we are above average, but gift, when we're gifted at something, it's truly innate. So it's about thinking, what are our three to five most innate gifts? Like things that we are just instantly great at with no thought or preparation. And when we get those top three to five and do them all at once um, and find ways we can express those in different tasks, that's how we get a genius, genius outcome. So for example, my best gifts are teaching, speaking, creating, and connecting. And when I do tasks like working with a client one-on-one or doing a podcast episode for my podcast or hosting a webinar um, or speaking and doing a workshop, those are always where my genius comes to life because I'm using those best gifts. And you know, you're in your genius when it feels like fun to fabricate and you feel that stopping at time and you're yielding great results for like yourself or somebody else. So that's how I would define genius in a nutshell. It's really about figuring out what those gifts are. So in the book, I walk through like a series of self-reflective questions to figure out what are those gifts and how do we put them together to find your genius. But one of the couple key things that you can start to think about is one of my favorite questions is how do your idols illuminate your genius? So I really believe that what we kind of love about others and what we're really gravitated towards about others is what is reflecting our own gifts back to us. So I like to give the exercise of think about the five people you admire most and write down five qualities you love about each of them. Like, why are they so alluring to you? Why are you so pulled towards them? Because I always feel like we are subconsciously pulled and gravitated towards people that have similar gifts and genius as us. It's like they're holding up a mirror and showcasing it back to us. And the brilliance you witness in them is really just the brilliance you have inside yourself. So one of my favorite questions to start off, and this is one of the ones I start off with in the book, is write down five people you've looked up to for a really long time. Write down five things you like about each of them. So 25 traits total. And there's a very good chance that you're staring at some of your best, most innate gifts yourself. 
I'm glad you walked through all that because I could hear somebody going, well, but I don't, I don't have any gifts or like, how could I turn? I love folding laundry, you know, but oh, hello, look at Marie Kondo. Totally. Freaking love Marie Kondo. Me I too. tidied up my entire house sparks joy. And that Me was too. like three years ago. Yeah. And like she created an empire from that. Definitely a hundred percent. That's one of the chapters in the book about, I talk about the more weird slash niche slash specialized your genius is, the more the world needs it. Cause sometimes it's so easy to think, you know, I have no gifts or other people are better than me or other people are more cool than me, but it's really about what are, what are your, your most innate gifts? And somebody out there wants what you've got. One of my favorite quotes is from Rumi of like, what you seek is seeking you. So it's like, you know, Marie Kondo wanted to tidy drawers and fold socks and the rest of the world was like, please teach us how. Um, so I, I totally recognize what you're saying. Like, I mean, I, I love her too, but yeah, those, those very niche specific gifts are definitely super needed. Um, other questions to like, think about in addition to like, how do your idols reflect your gifts? Things to think about is like, you know, what are you great at that nobody taught you how to do? Like, what's some, like, what are some skill sets that you just kind of know, like stuff that you're just good at? You didn't maybe go to school for it. You didn't take a class. You can just sort of do it. Um, another thing to consider is like, what have you been unconsciously doing for a long time? So quite often I get clients coming to me and a lot of the times people feel like, even though they have, they have these gifts, you know, they don't have any um, enough like expertise to back it up, but it's really like, I like one of the exercises I give in the book is like make a list of all your past jobs and volunteer experiences since like high school. And then look for common threads of like, what gifts have you actually been mastering over time? Like, what have you actually unconsciously been doing for a really long time? When I did this, I realized I've been in teaching roles for the last 10 years and I was always seeking out teaching roles. And it wasn't until I looked at all my jobs, like teaching the babysitters class, at the rec center, teaching swimming lessons for six years, being a TA twice in university. Um, I was always teaching, 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 teaching. So it's good to look back um, at all your little odds and ends of past examples in your life of, of uh, past roles and think, what's what gifts have I actually been mastering over time? Um, so those are a couple other entry points into considering what are you uniquely good at in the world? I'm just like having ding, 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 all, all these things. Yeah. So I didn't really realize my quote zone of genius. It was my, when I was writing and publishing my book, it, my mom had this aha. She literally texted me and she was like something about Heather, you've been doing this all along. And so yeah. what she was talking about when I was a young girl, so I was born in 85, just a couple of years ago. But when I was born in 85 and back then we had those monstrosity video cameras, they were huge that sat on your shoulder. And so we would video every holiday, every birthday, like all the events. And I was always, I'd get from the camera and I would say, today is Tuesday you know, March 15th. And, and I would, I was just always in front of the camera or I would be in the kitchen cooking and chopping vegetables and pretending and talking to my audience. And then I, my seventh birthday, my dad built me a playhouse and I was the teacher. So all along, and then I got into management roles and I was mentoring and managing people. And you're right. Look, I am looking back and going, whoa, I've had these trickles and whatever all along. And I kept going, trying to go into these corporate roles and, and I hated them. So anyway, it's just like, you're, you're spot on because I, the questions you ask and the reflection, the answers are all there. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I love that you said that. I, I feel like um, I feel like in my body, even when you're like, I've been doing it all along. And like, you got the text to your mom. I'm like, 
I just kind of get the chills. I'm like, oh my God, yay, I love that. I love that. Because it's like, I think it's so important to recognize the experience our power holds, you know, and like trusting, like, oh, I have been like this. I have been doing this. Like, this is something my soul is like called to. Like, this is like what I'm born to do. And I have a track record of actually doing this. And it's like leading into that and trusting it, you know, so we can trust it and do it going forward, I think is really important. Okay. So something I really want to hone in on, um, I want to get your perspective on it. So I'll share with you mine just real quick. I have personally experienced this, especially as an entrepreneur in business. A lot of people go all in on teach you strategy, website, funnel, lead magnet, all that stuff. And yes, you need a tech stack and that is part of it. But I feel like what I talk about is the 80-20 rule that any success in life derives from 80% psychology or mindset, 20% strategy mechanics. And when I flipped the script and realized, oh, I had to face and get over my self-doubt and imposter syndrome and all that BS belief systems in order to step up and show and have the energy and exude the confidence and create the content, that was the second half of it. So I want to hear it from you since you are more or less like a business consultant how are you teaching mindset and strategy? Definitely. Mindset is such a key piece. I always kind of give the analogy of, yeah, with when the mindset work is in place, it's like pushing the rock down the hill. When the mindset work is not in place, it's like pushing the rock up the hill. It's so much easier, you know, uh, when you're taking action, when you've mastered your mindset first. So I really believe like three things are always needing to be in motion for business to have success. Well, many things, but it really comes down to like, how good is your business strategy? How good is your mindset? And how good is your money mindset? You know, those three things together is uh, an equation for a successful business. Um, and all three parts have to be in motion in terms of teaching the mindset work. Um, in the book, I really, I have a section and it's all dedicated to like ditching the doubts that hold you back. Because I noticed that so many clients always said the same thing. Um, and each one of these is a chapter in PS, you're a genius. So it's like, I can't make money doing that. Somebody's already doing it better than me. So I can't, I'm not good enough. Um, you know, things like I need more time or experience or another certification. Like I, I can't just start right now. Or other people are going to think less of me if I go for it. I always kind of heard the same recurring doubts and fears. Um, and it's really about, I know for me, I'm always trying to like work with my clients to work through those things and address those sooner rather than later so that they can work on their mindset and then take action. So it's like fix these blocks and then go build out your website. And then, you know, as you're building out your website, when you have another like thing that comes up, it's kind of like whack-a-mole where you got to whack you know, hit the, hit the moles on the head with the little thing. But every time one comes up, it's like address it and then go back to like building. Because if you're just trying to build and build and build, but we don't address the mindset piece, it's like, you know, you're going to try to build out your website, but then think, oh my God, so-and-so's website is a million times better than me. And then you're going to want to quit. But if we do the mastery of like the mindset work first, we can kind of work through those, those narratives and then kind of move on along successfully. Okay. I'm going to share, and I haven't shared this with anyone, but I, I believe it's important to be transparent and authentic. So as an example, especially because I've experienced this, when I do the mindset work, um, I remember when I very first was starting this and I got a business strategist and he was great because we did a lot of mindset stuff. Plus he taught me the mechanics. So that was really important, but you know, I got clear in my goal when I signed four clients, whatever. And I did, I did it. And then the following year, I didn't sign 
any clients, but I was all over the board. I didn't know what I wanted. Should I go back to corporate? This is too hard. I can't do this. Who am I to do this? So a year I sat in that funk and that BS. And then when it got to the point that I was like, oh shit, I might have to go get a job. That was my rude awakening. My wake up call to be like, okay, you can continue this story or you can practice and implement what you're teaching. And I did. And like that, I signed two clients in one week. Mm. I didn't have any clients in a year and I signed two in one week. And so that's, I just want to share from experience, the importance of mindset, the belief and doing the work. Totally. I appreciate you sharing that. I a hundred percent resonate that with that. Even in my business, like I've had seasons where, I mean, despite being a self-help author, like my book is in the self-help section. There are times when I'm like, I suck. Who's going to want to listen to me? Blah, blah, blah. Am I even good enough? You know, I, I always kind of joke that this book is just, I secretly wrote this for myself to like, look at on a hard day. Like, Oh, remember Kelly, you're good at what you do and you should do what's natural to you. And don't listen to all the stories in your mind. But, um, it's so true. Like I've definitely gone through phases where like, I'm sitting in the funk and then I'm not getting the results I want. Um, and it kind of, it really does take that mindset shift to like get back into action to like, and the universe just, it'll totally listen to your thoughts. Um, when you have that shift, that's when sort of like the magic happens. Um, so I a hundred percent resonate with what you're saying. Cause I've, I've totally been there during so many seasons of business. And obviously through many iterations of business where when you're in it, it's, you know, it can be really like crickets when the mindset work is not in place. And then when we make that decision and we like commit, it's like the universe hears us and like things come towards us. So I totally understand what you're saying. You know, what else was a huge breakthrough and epiphany for me, you know, and maybe you do this work with clients and I hated this exercise. I did it many times through online courses and coaches and whatever, but you're avatar, right? Your ideal when you got to niche down and come up with that person. And every time I tried to come up with this imaginary person, I just couldn't connect. And you know what I did? My epiphany. I just thought of a younger version of me. All I did was turn to 30 year old Heather. And I started talking to 30 year old Heather, getting her through the member when you wanted to get out of your nine to five. And so that's, that's how I really gained confidence and clarity and momentum by talking to myself. I love that. Totally. Yeah. That's like a strategy I recommend all the time. It's like visualize somebody actually in your life, like a friend that you could help. And that could be somebody you anchor to your target market or visualize former you, you know, so much of what I've built out is for my former self. Um, so I totally resonate with that. I hundred percent get that. I love that. Okay. So I want to hear more from you. Something you shared with me, um, Okay, this is a question I asked you. What myth do you wish to debunk? And you responded that we have to work really hard or improve weaknesses. Let's debunk those. Yeah, so the traditional notions are always like, be really well-rounded, be great at many things, improve your weaknesses, um, work really hard. I really kind of like to reframe this as um, focus on your genius, and do the thing that only you can do in the world. You will go so much further in life and faster if you focus and be narrow. Um, do not try to, I, I make the argument. I, I'm a very, I'm an unconventional person. That's why I put the word unconventional in the subtitle of the book, but I'm like, don't be well-rounded. If everybody is trying to be well-rounded, you're the same, your status quo. So would you rather be a master of this one thing and get really good at this thing, or just be mediocre at a bunch of different things? So I like, 
to believe, like focus on your genius, focus on the work you can only do. Don't waste time trying to improve your weaknesses. Delegate that out. Um, somebody else is in their genius doing that thing. And, you know, like my accountant loves accounting. My bookkeeper loves bookkeeping. I, my lawyer loves being a lawyer. Those are three things I am not good at. So it's like, let me do my genius and give this task to somebody else who's in their genius versus me trying to improve my weaknesses. Um, I just don't believe in that. I kind of feel like it's a waste of our best gifts. Um, obviously it's a time and a place to like understand how to read a profit and loss statement, but you know, as an overall thing, you know, delegating things out, I think is really key. And in terms of like working hard, I think it's really important to be like, um, how can we really focus on that source of genius where things are easy and things are flowing and you are doing the work that you were born to do and where it's natural to you, where like, where can you really cash in on what comes most naturally to you, where you have that ease and that flow and that fluidity, one of the principles I teach in the book in part four, it's called the new playbook for success. And I break down some of my new school rules for success. Cause I believe that geniuses kind of get a play by a different set of rules. And one of those I like to uh, iterate and share is, is um, make easier main metric. So I always, because I have the default pattern of trying to go where it's hard and trying to make things hard. My thing is to tell myself, okay, Kelly, make easier main metric. Where is it easy? You know, how can we make this simpler? Um, how can we find solutions by, by subtracting versus adding, but really thinking about this mantra and this like lens of making easier main metric and leaning into ease and looking to simplify and reduce and make things simpler versus sort of my old patterns of always making things harder. So yeah, I really don't, I try not to subscribe to the notion of like, you have to work really hard to succeed. Cause I feel like if you're in your genius, there is a dimension of, of ease. Um, and when you're kind of being more strategic, you can use levers of ease and do things that are easier in an easier, simpler way than just like brute force and like grinding it out. Well, and I love that. And you ultimately you had a complete paradigm shift because you're right. We're conditioned. And I, I mean, think about early, early childhood in school, we are taught that you have to work hard to earn money, that you have to hustle and grind to get ahead. Like these are what have been implanted. And it's like, no, I mean, that might be your truth, but that is not the truth. Totally. Yeah, totally. I totally agree. And, you know, I always like to say, of course, you're still going to be doing like the work. Um, it's like more about the quality of the work and also like your attitude and, and approach to work. Cause like, I'm not available anymore to just work 24 seven. Like in the past I used to, but now I'm like, no, like we don't, we don't do that. That's like old patterning. <laughs> you know what I mean? Proving our worth and like just giving something, everything and like totally depleting ourselves. Um, I think it also takes like mindset work and also being high in your self-worth to be like, like I'm deserving of like rest and like ease and being gentle on myself um, versus just like going all in 24 seven and just, you know, whittling yourself down to the bone. Who are your mentors or where did you learn some of these tactics? This all mostly came from my life. And like all the things I teach are stuff that I've sort of done over the years through trying to get by through failure, through hard times. Um, in terms of other like things, I've, I've always been a student of self-help. I've been like fascinated with like personal development, spirituality since I was in high school. So I was always the person that was like reading a self-help book in the corner. Um, in terms of, in terms of like what I most gravitated to, I most actually gravitated towards spiritual principles. I'm really drawn to that. I'd say I'm always, um, 
despite being a business coach, I do have like, you know, a lot of background and I've taken many courses on business and I've been to business school and have my tech background, but, um, yeah, I'm most drawn actually to spiritual principles. And I like to always weave that into entrepreneurship as well. And that's, I think where some of the more like unconventional stuff comes in and that's kind of, yeah, that's my take. Yeah. We don't have to deep dive that today, but ultimately that comes down to like the masculine and feminine energy and swaying between the, the doing and the being it's like this fine dance. Totally. Yeah. Okay. So something that you shared with me is that, uh, I, I want to hear, I always ask a question cause I like to know, you know, other people's morning rituals or daily routines. So I'd like for you to share that with us. And then also if we could talk about scripting. Yeah. In terms of my morning routine, I actually try to keep it short. This is actually a thing that I learned from Abraham Hicks from many moons ago about kind of getting into alignment before you take action. So I try to just set myself up in the morning um, and I want to make sure that I feel good before I'm jumping into my work. So then I'm coming in at like a higher vibration and like a high energy. And I feel excited before I kind of hit the ground running. So I, I generally just do like um, in the morning, like I make my coffee, I'll like watch some YouTube videos or like watch something good on YouTube uh, that's like uplifting or listen to a podcast or like maybe read some books or like do a little journaling, but something to, you know, make me feel good and put me in that alignment mood, um, make my same breakfast every single day. And then um, as of lately, I've been really focusing on setting intentions for the day. So after I, I do sort of my rituals to kind of get into alignment. And I also kind of like to be flexible with it. One of the success stories I talk about in my book um, and one of the examples I use is from Tara, who's an Olympic swimmer. And she was actually my friend from college. And I remember asking her, like, do you have specific things you do before a race? And she was like, um, no. And I, and I also asked, do you eat the same thing before a race? And she said, no, because I want to be able to be flexible with my, with where I am because I'm all over the world and I'm in different places. And I don't want to be like, married to some sort of ritual. And in case I don't do it, then I don't feel like I can swim. And I always thought that was fascinating. So I used to be really, really more like structured around my morning routine. And as in the last couple of years, I'm like, we're going to be way more go with the flow. We're going to be flowy with it and have like a couple key things of like coffee, something to do that's aligning and like the same smoothie. But other than those three things, the morning routine can really shift because I don't want to be like married to this thing on the chance that if like, if like, oh, if I don't do this, then my writing today is not going to be good. So I learned that little lesson from Tara, but um, after I kind of get into alignment, I try to set intentions for how I want my day to look specifically. If I have a really important call or meeting or interview, I will write like I intend and create that, you know, my podcast today with Heather goes well, or like I intend and create that, you know, this console call flows with ease and this client actively wants to work with me and like signs up today. Or like I intend and create that um, this pitch that I'm sending gets into the hands of like the right person and they like reply to me, whatever it is, like when it's important, I try to set those intentions and write I intend and create. Um, but yeah, I've been really kind of getting into scripting and like hearing more about that. And I've been trying to script my day. And I have also been looking at like, how can I script like my life and write out like a life script and pulling in things like, I'm so happy and grateful that, you know, I am like a New York Times bestselling author. I'm not, I'm not, but that's obviously where I want to go, but it's like, I'm so happy and grateful that people read my book every day and feel like it is meeting them where they're at. Or like, I'm so happy and grateful that people read my book and like share it on Instagram, or I'm so happy and grateful that people read my book and, you know, feel like it's really serving them. Like I try to 
get into those feelings um, by writing out these intentions and this script. And when I do that in the morning, it just makes me feel really good. It just it just feels good in the body to say those kinds of things. Um, and it just sets you up for success a little bit more. So that's sort of how I approach intention setting and scripting. Okay. So the reason I brought that up, one, I find it fascinating. And two, this is so serendipitous and synchronicity. I'm currently reading a book on it and I've heard about scripting before, but ultimately what it comes down to is a lot of people are living on autopilot, going through life's motions. Life is very predictable. But if you take the time in the morning to be mindful and intentional and to write out, you know, so you say, I intend and create. So you're, that's just like aligning your thoughts, your feelings and emotions to be a conscious creator of your reality. And I love that because without that mindfulness and an intentionality, it's like, we just go through life's motions and life is happening to us. And it's a completely different reality. So thank you for sharing that. I love that. Yeah, totally. I've also gotten really dialed into goals. Um, I mean, I've always been a goal, big goal setter, but um, really getting clear on my goals. And I try to review and read my goals every day. And in the morning, I sit down and just read them out loud. Whenever I'm going through phases where I'm trying to achieve something big, I will go through and like read my goals three times a day out loud to like get it in my brain. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I love this kind of stuff. This is fun to me. So yeah, I think but it's always important to like consciously create your reality and be like, where do you want to go? And what goals do you want to happen? And what do you want to like pull into your reality, your reality? So I think it's always super good to just get clear on like, what do you want and what yes. do you want to have happen? The only thing I would offer you, are you familiar with Neville Goddard? No, but I think I know the name. Okay, I, so uh, I only came across him less than a year ago. But the reason I bring that up is because let's say as an example, vision boards or having mm -hmm. goals, it's like, we put these things far off in the future and they become like, I hope I wish that would be nice. Instead, Neville Goddard, I love his teachings. He talks about the law of assumption and it's assumed mm. it's living from the end desire. So rather it being in this far off distance, you are already living in that reality because when this is how I say it, and I was saying this before I came across Neville stuff. But when you think, speak, and act as if this desire is already yours because we live in an energetic universe, you're going to show up differently as that person. So you draw that experience to you. I love that. Yeah. So I guess that's the difference of like this far off thing that would be really nice. And I hope versus, nope, I already have it. It's mine. Because then you release the wanting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Abraham always talks about the resistance. I'm always trying to be like, how can I drop the resistance on this? Yep. <laughs> Upstream first downstream. I yep. love Abe. <laughs> yeah. yeah me okay. Too. So question, because I love this, this topic of conversation about finding our genius, but what is one key takeaway you want listeners to get? Aside from finding your genius, I think one of the most important things is really listening to your intuition and trusting those intuitive impulses and going where it feels right and listening to your own truths and the wisdom of your body, you can never go wrong doing that. Well, I mean, you, I couldn't have said it better. I agree. <laughs> I'd love to wrap up the interview. So I have a few rapid fire questions for you. Yeah. The first one being, what is a quote or motto that you live by? Ooh, one of my favorites that I've had since high school is don't worry, everything will be amazing. Mm, yes, I love mm. that. Yeah, I don't what even is, know who wrote it, but I found it once on the internet and always liked it. What is a book you're currently reading or highly recommend? 
Oh, I'm currently rereading E Squared by Pam Grout. I yeah. love Pam. Yeah, me too. Yes. Pam, Pam's I got, amazing. I got to have Pam on my podcast yeah. uh, last year, but you're right. I love that book. And that's when I go back to, because I love how she talks about quantum physics and manifestation mm-hmm. and, and that it's all experiments because then it just makes it fun. Totally. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. I read that book several years ago and then I had this random um, download to like recheck out her stuff because she's a number one New York Times bestseller. And I've been trying to study how people got to number one, specifically folks that it just sort of happened on their own. So yeah, I was like, I need to revisit all of Pam's work. And like, I went on a big, like listening spree. I listened to like literally all of her interviews that were coming up in Spotify. So I'm a big, I'm a big Pam Grout fan. She's awesome. Yes. Love her. Mm-hmm. All right. Final question. What advice would you give your younger self? My younger self, um, I would probably say, don't worry. Everything will be amazing. I think trust, like have trust in your journey, trust your uniqueness. Um, it's okay that you're different and weird and other people are, um, taking different life choices than you. I'd say, trust your own path. Like it's going to get you to where you want to go and what other people are doing and where they're going is like not where you're supposed to end up. So just trust that, trust that. I love that. Kelly, thank you so much for joining me and and sharing how we can find our genius. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Heather. And then I'll also say if people want to get the book, they can do it at kellytrack.com slash books. And that's T-R-A-C-H at the end of my last name. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. I'd love it if you could leave a review and remember to subscribe and share this episode with your friends. If you haven't yet, connect with me on the social platforms. You can add me on Instagram at heather.hakes and subscribe to my YouTube channel. I'll catch you on the next episode.